Kodega is a guide and a storyteller, escorting you through the night, lighting the way, warding off thieves, ghosts, demons, and other oddities. Along the journey, his companions would often share with him the most curious of stories that he'd record in his codex. Perhaps you just might find yourself traveling with the Kodega and sharing one of yours. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Codega's Codex of Curiosities. This is our first episode on this brand new show. Um, it's going to be a great time and a great adventure, and I'm really looking forward to uh, traveling along with you as we delve into all of these strange, um, unexplainable oddities around the world that are happening, but seem to be getting covered up. And so that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to take you on this adventure and tell you about these stories and these experiences and have my guests tell their experiences. And it's up to you then to see what you do with them. All right, so a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you know, to, to really help my show, I'm gonna ask you all, please just share it. it. It's an easy thing, you know, click on that share button, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, um, your coworkers. Heck, even share it with your enemies. I don't care. Let them hear me talk and let them make up their mind for themselves. So one last uh, bit of housekeeping before we bring on our amazing guest. Click that like. Yeah. If you're new here, subscribe and have the bell hit for notifications to stay up to date on all the new content. Okay, so today's guest is a great friend of mine, Matt Emch. He's been on before when I was the host of the Lost Frequency podcast, and he has told this amazing story, The Beast of Youngstown. And, you know, I'm sure many of you have heard it. And if not, I'd like I'd urge you to go back into my channel and uh, find uh, the episode. Uh, I believe it's called uh, uh, The Terrifying Encounter at the Warehouse. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to, I'll, I'll put a little uh, tag up here for it. Um, but Matt has more stories than that, more experiences. And so tonight we're going to focus on those. We might jump a little bit back into, uh, the beast, but other than that, we're going to focus on some amazing other experiences that Matt has. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Matt to the stage. Hey there, Matt, how you doing? Hey, good, Rye. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Oh, uh, the honor's all mine. The honor's all mine. I'm really happy to have you back and... I, I'm actually very happy to have you as our first guest, well, my first guest on uh, on my new show, Codega's Codex of Curiosities. So before we go too far and start talking about uh, your experiences and whatnot, why don't you tell my guests, and I'm sure they, I'm sure they know of you, <laughs> so why don't you tell them where they can find you? Oh, well, actually, you can find me if you just, um, easiest, you know, you put even my name in on YouTube. You'll get tons of different interviews that I've done before I started my channel. But specifically, I want you guys to find me at Planet 412. And uh, before you had to spell it out so I didn't get that actual moniker, you used to have to spell out the actual words Planet 412. You don't have to do that anymore because... I've overtaken anybody else that had that. So if you just put in, just like you see on my name right there on the screen, Planet 
in the numbers 412, my channel will pop right up. And I would appreciate just like Riot asked you for him. You know, you subscribe, hit that notification bell and and uh, the, the, the like button. But, you know, one of the things that I've really made a point to mention to everybody, if you're supporting someone's channel, if you care about the person that, that is running that, it's just as important to have you finish the video. Let the ads play if you don't mind. I know it's irritating. You want to hit skip. Easiest thing to do to fix that is just get the premium you know, subscription to YouTube. Because what happens with people that own channels like Ryan and I, the ads help us. So if someone gets a premium, it helps us. But if you skip those ads, it hurts us. And if you don't finish the video, it hurts. So if you don't feel like finishing our video, let it play and walk away. And that will help us a lot. So uh, that that's where you can find me at. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate that. And that's some valuable information for us uh, podcasters or us hosts, you know, is just asking our, our viewers and our listeners, just finish watching, finish watching or listening, you know, have it just playing in the background. Yeah. Um, th that is awesome. Okay. So Matt, why don't you tell her, why don't you tell me what planet 412 means to you? Like where, where did that moniker come from? Well, you know, you're going to be basically one of the first that I've ever uh, explained this to. So I'm actually in the process of, I'm making a, a short video, a short actually about the meaning everyone's been asking, but I will do this as being on your Okay, you can keep it shorter. You don't have to go into too much detail, no. so you can leave that detail for, but yeah, let's hear. So just to let everybody know, um, it, it, it has a lot of personal meaning to me. So the, the number one reason, that used to be my old address in Youngstown. When I grew up on the north side of Youngstown on the street called Laura Avenue, uh, L-O-R-A, if you're from the Yo, you know, you know, on the north side where it is. Uh, the house doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's just a lot. But 412, 412 was our address. My dad uh, used to play 412 boxed in the lottery, and he won it like four or five times. Really? The, the number specifically and strangely for me, my entire life from childhood till today, the number in some form or fashion at least once or twice a day Every day of my life, I see it, either on the clock, on a computer, if I'm on a website, something, for some reason, I always see those numbers together. It's usually more often than not, uh, either 4.12 a.m. or p.m., I see one of those every day for some odd reason. It's just really strange. It's connected to me. And then I started looking even more into Maybe there's a meaning of those numbers. So I Googled it. And my wife, um, who you just met, Stacy, you know, it, 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 she's very skeptical about things. And when this popped up and we started reading the actual meanings behind the number combination 412, she, her jaw dropped and she looked at me and said, oh my God, that, that's like a definition of you. So there's a lot of spiritual meaning, angelic meaning behind the numbers 412. There's a guardian angel 412. You know, I, I, for those that don't know me and don't know some of the specifics, I've been through a lot of physical issues throughout my life. I actually got this past Friday, had my 29th surgery in my lifetime. 
Um, I played college ball. I had 14 surgeries on my left knee. I had it replaced about six months ago. There were some other more serious things that went down. I, I actually uh, almost died a few times. In fact, April of 2022, I, I lost my right leg below the knee. Um, I had 10 surgeries in, in a year's time, and I actually had uh, three instances where I almost lost my life. The third, my heart stopped for over 90 seconds, and I had a near-death experience that we'll talk about tonight. Yes, exactly. And when I, if you Google that and you look it up, I'm telling you right now, as you read it, or you, there's videos on YouTube about Guardian Angel 412 or the meaning of, it is like a bio of me. It, it's really insane. So we read through this one. Uh, uh, it was one of the first two, you know, um, ones that popped up websites and my wife ran through it. And uh, I mean, uh, literally our, our mouths were open. We could not believe at like one after another, it was like me. So it, it just has a lot of deep, very, very uh, important meaning. Uh, you know, the, the address might seem you know, non-consequential, but it meant a lot to me. I grew up in that house and lived there till I was 18, 19 years old. And, um, you know, it just has a lot of uh, different, I've gotten, you know, uh, I, I live right, I'm in Northeast Ohio. So Youngstown is an hour. It's right smack dab in the middle of both Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Cleveland, Ohio. You're an hour from either. So if you look at Ohio on the map, we're at the top right corner, right on the PA line. So we're right next to Pennsylvania. You can cross over in the Sharon, Pennsylvania in 20, 25 minutes, and you're at the area code 412, which a lot of people have thought, oh, you must be talking about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, it's 412. No, even though I'm a Steelers fan, it's not there. So <laughs> that's just a real quick, you know, little uh, rundown about what that. that I, and, and that's on. and that's fascinating. So I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades. And one of those things that I did was, you know, I took some time looking into numerology. Now, numerology, of course, you're adding up the numbers to get a, uh, you know, like a base number, which is seven. And seven mm -hmm. is the number of communication. And I find that pretty fitting for you, you know, because what do you do? Well, are you not an announcer for um, football? And now now you have your own uh, channel as well, YouTube channel. I, I think communication is something that is key in your life as well. So that's that's wild, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just there's where I touched on. I'm a sports broadcaster. I've been in sports broadcasting for 17 years. Um, I have my own uh, uh, show called Just Football with Matt Armstrong, Western Reserve Radio. If you go to westernreserveradio.com, you hit talent and staff, you'll get to see me in my bio, figure out who I was when I played ball. I played through college and um, yeah, I've been calling high school uh, college and semi-pro football games for 12 years. I just went through my 12th season. So I've had a lot of a lot of uh, time behind the mic. So this is second nature for me. Um, but, you know, Ryan, touching on what you said about communication, I have always had an easy time speaking to large groups of people. Um, you know, I, I look back to when I was a senior in high school. I'll just real quick touch on this. I want to uh, an award that went to the the best offensive lineman in, in the in the area, the state of Ohio, and they only gave one out in the state called the Mack Truck Award, and I and I won. When I went to the dinner, uh, there was one from Ohio and one from PA. That's the only two states they did it. The R and R Mack Truck Company 
uh, trucking company gave them out. And uh, I, I, I received the award and gave a speech in front of over 1,500 people at their Christmas party. I didn't sweat it. I wasn't nervous. I loved it. I enjoy being in front of people. Just something I've always had an ability to do. So that really blows my mind that you that you said that about that that number seven of those numbers brings up communication yeah it, it definitely does it definitely does you know and and actually there's a lot of sevens that come up come up in my life too which is communication as well and i feel that i've always been really good with communicating with people as well so it, it's we definitely have that uh commonality between us now you were saying um when you're talking about all your surgeries there was three times where you almost lost your life and one were your heart stopped for 90 seconds. Can we, can we go into that? And I want you to, you know, tell us a little bit about what happened uh, in that time. I know it's, it's very an emotional kind of thing, but I would definitely like to like to hear that. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, anything that I discuss when I'm on this side of the camera, when I'm the one interviewed, um, you know, no matter what it's about, if it's about my dogman experience, uh, it, the majority of anything I speak about is is very emotional. It, it takes me back, and there's a lot of um, you know PTSD and 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 of course. you know suffering things that have occurred. So as I touched on in April of 2022, is when a a landslide, if you will, of surgeries occurred, where in a year's time I had ten. I ended up getting my right leg below the knee amputated, unfortunately, which, you know, for anyone to lose a limb is just, you just can't imagine how ungodly horrible it is. Uh, but to, to have been a, an elite college athlete and then to have your leg taken is, is like that extra kind of punch in the gut. And, uh, I, I can imagine. I definitely could imagine. It was very difficult. Um, you know, I, I, I've pretty much embraced it now. Now I, I had my 29th surgery on Friday. I had to, basically they had to go and they had to, to, to uh, cut the scar out on my amputated leg and move it because when I wore my prosthetic, it, the nerve was being triggered when I would walk. So Ouch. it was causing pain and discomfort. So he basically just moved the scar up. So that's the surgery I had. It wasn't extremely serious. It's very painful. You know, I have sutures in my leg and my freedom is stolen again. So whenever you have surgery like that and you have a prosthetic, you can't wear it. You know, you're you're in a situation you know, I, I didn't for a long time anyone who has has an amputation of a, of a lower line goes through this period where you know the the body has to get used to it the skin has to get tough the 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 suture line has to heal enough and then you go through this long process of getting fitted a cast is made for the prosthetic then they have to make the prosthetic then you have to wear a practice one where they make sure it all fits and then they have to fine tune it and then they make the so it takes a long time for you to rejoin the rest of the human race and become normal. Yeah. So, you know, I had to learn to rewalk again. I had to learn. I, I felt, you know, and, and you, you feel separated from the rest of everybody. Of course. You feel different but, and you are. But I want to say, though, you know, Matt, you're anything but normal. And, and that I mean that right. in the best of compliments. <laughs> Thanks. 
Yeah, no, no, I definitely, uh, you know, I've, I've embraced, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of rarities about me and I've embraced them. And, you know, just to let everybody know, I have embraced, you know, being an amputee. It's, it's a whole nother family that I'm a part of. Yeah. Uh, and beings in this world doesn't make you any less um more than anything it just you know it opens your mind to different things so what occurred was you know just like a hundred almost 100 percent of us who would lose a lower limb you go through a period of where you're you're trying to adjust to not fall well i fell a couple times when i had sutures in Times it fell, and I literally the last time fell where I went straight down and hit that that amputated leg. So what ended up happening was some of the sutures became unraveled, and I ended up getting a hole about like that big form on the suture line. So my leg was open. You could literally look inside. It wasn't bleeding, but it was open. Um, so I had home health care coming literally every day, and they were getting concerned a picture they sent it to my surgeon who was out of the country but his his nurse his assistant, she showed all the other surgeons in the practice um, youngstown is by the way amazing people um and they all looked at it and they flipped out they said you got to tell him he needs to go to see something horrible happen they'll fast track him out of the hospital like a heart attack patient blah 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 so i went Long story short, they didn't fast track me. I sat there for five hours. Uh, they sent me down to the, the triage nurse, looked at it, wrapped it back up. They sent me down to x-ray and forgot about me for an hour. Um, hit hour five and I lost it. Called my wife and said, come pick me up. I'm going home. I haven't seen a doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm not staying here any longer. Fast forward to we're on the way home. And, um, you know, I had rolled myself outside. I was waiting outside the hospital. No one ever checked on me or anything. Yeah. Got myself in the car and we were roughly two minutes from home, uh, at a, at a stoplight turning right. And the telltale noticeable sign of water running was in the car. And we look at each other like, what the heck is that noise? We're looking around. It's not raining or anything. My wife is looking at me like, wow, what is that sound? Finally, I look between my leg and what had occurred was the artery blew in my leg and was like a, 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 a stream pouring out of my leg. And I'm not, not like, boop, 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 boop. It was just shh. And it had already soaked the carpet of the car so the noise we heard is like if you've ever you know got a carpet wet it doesn't make noise until it's been sopped full of liquid so at the hospital it must have started bleeding right away as soon as i got in her and didn't even feel it so i grabbed my leg and blood is shooting through my finger and i apologize to anybody that is getting weak or you know go walk away for a few minutes yeah blood is spraying everywhere it, it was mass hysteria uh my wife pulls into a gas station my 14 at the time 14 year old daughter was in the back seat they jump out i'm holding trying to hold my life in my leg and it's just going through my fingers and 
Um, there they jump out. They're trying to find something in the in the car to help. And um, the lady that worked at the gas station had noticed them running around and crazy and came over. She had been smoking a cigarette and asked if they if my wife needed help. My wife screams, call 911. My husband's bleeding to death. And the lady calls and um, they didn't get there right away. Of course. Um, what happened was she ended up calling some guy that worked there who just so happened to be an ex-combat medic. And he came out and was trying to help. He was trying to fashion a makeshift uh, tourniquet. Uh, tourniquet. And, and it, it slowed it a little bit. It was kind of one of those things you put on the back of a truck and ratchet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as that's going on, a doctor had been driving by and saw all the craziness. And he said, he told my wife, I don't know why something just said something's wrong. I should stop. And he stopped. And I remember him coming up next to me. And I was at this point, I started losing consciousness. I was feeling, I was feeling myself slipping away. And uh, he came up and he said, I'm a doctor. Do you need help? And they screamed, he's bleeding to death. And he came and he said, we have to get the bleeding stopped. And they're trying to get this tourniquet on my leg. And I finally grabbed his hand and I, I showed him where they need to put it. And I looked at him, I said, you're going to have to do it. I said, I'm, I'm going. And he, they're yelling at me, sir, sir, you keep awake. And I'd lost it once. And my wife, we laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny at the time. I Four times. The, the second time my wife cracked me, she screamed, she whack, whacked me really hard. And I, I opened my eyes and, um, the last time it happened, I knew, I, I knew it was, I, I knew I was dying. And, um, I looked at my wife and daughter and I told them I was sorry. And, and I, I started to, you know, dip out and I just started to see black. And the last thing I remember was hearing my, my wife and my daughter scream. My wife was screaming, Matt, no, Matt, no. And my, my daughter was screaming, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I saw black and, uh, next thing I remember, I remember snippets of little things happening where I apparently had opened my eyes. What I remember was saying, I'm sorry, seeing black. And the next thing I remember, I was standing up outside somewhere. Um, I had my leg. And I was looking around and there were people all around me. It wasn't a bright light yeah. or anything. It was like I was outside and there were people, hundreds of people around me, but I couldn't see them. They were, they were like out of focus. They were all blurry. Like out of phase or something almost. They were, fa they were fo facing me and others, their backs were turned to me, but they were all around me everywhere. Some were looking at me, obviously. And then I just got this strange feeling that somebody was over my right shoulder. And I, and I looked and uh, my mom and dad are no longer with us. Um, my dad died of uh, pancreatic cancer 11 years ago. And um, for your loss. Thank you.
and we we lost my mom um we just had her four year anniversary a couple months ago and she died from complications from lupus which i inherited from her um i turned and my mom and dad were standing there and it was as real as you and I standing next to each other, uh, as my wife was just in here, we were trying to fix the camera situation a little bit ago. She was right next. The same situation. It wasn't dreamlike. Yeah. It was. It was like I am lucid and awake right now, and they were there. And I immediately turn and I start bawling my eyes out and crying and hugging and kissing my parents and. How is this possible? How are you here? Oh my God. And I, I don't remember everything I said, but it was just, I just was bawling, bawling. Of course. My mom cried and my dad, he never spoke. Um, he just smiled. And uh, um, he looked at me and, and just had a big smile on his face. He, he's a big guy. And always been a big guy, and my dad was a big man, and he just put his arm around me. Uh, so he, my right, he put his left arm around me, and it came all the way across my back into my other shoulder. And my mom, you know, I'm half Lebanese and half German Irish. My mom was 100% Lebanese. She looked like a little Italian lady, but she was uh, all Lebanese, and she was very short. And you know, so. so under five feet and and i'm six four so you know i was always looking down at her and she's kind of me and she was crying too and 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 i said how you know how is this possible you know i miss you and she said i miss you too honey we love you and and uh you know i, I kept asking her how is this possible how is this possible and and she finally had had grabbed my my hands in front of me and she looked at me and said honey we love you she said but you can't stay here i immediately had this just immense sense of i just i wanted to be i I was like what are you talking about i haven't seen you in years I, i i'm not going anywhere and she looked at me and she said honey you have to go it's not your time and as she's saying that and I'm crying and telling her no, she smiled and she looked at me like she always used to, touched the right side of my face with her hand. And the second her hand touched my cheek, I felt it and uh, I saw a flash of light and I was laying on my back on the operating table at Trumbull Memorial Hospital in Warren, Ohio. Um, they were getting ready to perform the surgery to, to try and save my life. They had just told my wife that say goodbye. Make it. I had lost about three pints of blood. Um, I was completely almost bled out. Um, I was blue, according to everyone. I was shaking horribly. I was so cold. I remember that. I remember I was crying because of my mom. Yep. And the surgeon that saved my life, her name is Dr. Mather, an amazing surgeon. She she put her hand on my head and she got close and she said, Matt, we're gonna we're gonna save you, honey. We're gonna we're gonna take care of you. Now she had just told my wife, we don't think he's gonna make it, but you don't tell a patient. Of course that. not. Of course not. And they they put me out and and they did save my life. They had to give me uh, over ten pints of blood, 
think 10 bags, yeah. which I don't know evens out to uh, two giant bags of plasma. And the next day I woke up in the ICU and I felt normal. Wow. I, I myself and uh, they had left the, the, the uh, opening on it just to make sure there was no other bleeding, yeah. anything. And I spent uh, the next, I don't know, half a day in, in the ICU and she took me back in surgery and closed it up where I was myself joking, cracking jokes. In fact, uh, she told my wife after the, the surgery, she said, I love him. He's so silly. They, they pulled me into the operating room and it was one of those rooms you see on TV where they have the glass and the people can view a surgery and all. It was wow. Filled believe could not believe that i had lived they 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 all were in awe that i was acting normal that i was just myself and and i had at one point they're getting ready and i looked at all the people i'm like we got a big crew here today and i looked i go hey everybody and they all started laughing and i cracked a couple of jokes and they all laughed and they're just like looking at me and i remember this one uh this one resident she just just had this look of awe and I looked, I said, you okay? She goes, I, I, I watched you die yesterday. She said, your heart stopped for over 90 seconds. She goes, I can't believe you're still here. And, you know, they, I mean, you know, they went through the, the code blue yeah. with me and every, I, my heart stopped. I have a couple of questions uh, about this. Uh, so first of all, Matt, how long were you out um, from, you know, you passing out, like you going out at the gas station to you waking up at the table? Like, I know you said your heart stopped for 90 seconds, but how long of a time was that? Was that like 20 minutes, 25 minutes? Uh, from what I have been told, I had been awake a couple times. Okay. So my wife told me when she got to the hospital that I was awake and I was angry because I had just put on a brand new Carhartt t-shirt that day and they cut it and I was yelling about cutting my, <laughs> my new Carhartt t-shirt. <laughs> and, and the first thing she said, I said to her is they cut my goddamn Carhartt t-shirt off. And she's covered in blood and you know, completely in shock yeah. and freaking out. And then she said, I lost consciousness again. So there were times that, that uh, you know, like when they were putting me, I remember losing consciousness in the car yeah. and seeing black. They said when the fire truck got there, I looked at uh, at one point, they moved me and I opened my eyes for a couple seconds and looked at the fireman and said, help me. And then I looked again. Um, I just remember going out in the car, seeing black and then that happening. But was, there were two instances where apparently I woke up. So I wonder if it's your, I wonder if it's your body wise, not your consciousness or your soul but your body reacting helped me whereas your consciousness it was was off more yeah. but sorry but but sorry go ahead with uh how long of a time do you i would say probably from the time they got me on the operating table from i i know i lost my consciousness and thought i was dead um because i knew again i 
you know, it's it's really freaky and disturbing, right? I, I felt my life slipping away. I mean, I literally knew I was dying. Like, as the blood was going, like, I'm feeling like, I'm like, you're, you're, you're doing, you're dipping yeah. out. Yeah. And it was surreal. Um, I would say probably 15 minutes from 15, 20 minutes, because they said, you know, from where the ambulance got at the gas station, normally it would take five to seven minutes to get to the hospital from there. They said they got there less than two minutes from the gas station. Um, And as soon as I got in, they apparently were waiting. The trauma team was all suited up and ready. Um, And my wife got there just a, a couple minutes after they brought me in. And as soon as she walked in, they said, say goodbye to him. You know, you're probably not going to see him again. So they, you know, they were ready and they bing, bing, got there. And uh, I was in surgery for a few hours. Um, in fact, the trauma team was actually, they told me they were literally almost to their cars. They were walking, were outside of the hospital going home. And all of their, their the stuff went off and they got the call, turn around, come back. We have a, a you know, a, a, a level one trauma coming in and um, they saved my life, man. Uh, thank God. Thank God, Matt. Do you, we, we should be calling you like mystical or magical or miracle Matt. <laughs> well, we would have never met, right? You know, this was of before course. I had, my, um, you know, this was before I, I went to uh, Josh Turner's uh, conference last September. I would have never met anybody. I wouldn't have my channel. I, I, none of what I'm doing now would be possible. And, um, you know, I, I, I've always been a, a firm believer my whole life, and especially after the all of the surgeries. And, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten numerous, you know, having lupus, it's an it's a autoimmune disease, which definitely causes problems for people when you have surgeries. It makes you very, uh, you know, you're high risk for infection. And I've gotten really bad infections and almost died quite a few times from those. The closest time I ever died before that, actually, my heart stopping was um, I had another instance where uh, I had two ulcers in my, my stomach. And then I had, they were bleeding ulcers, but then I, I took what's called naperson, a prescription anti-inflammatory. And it, it caused those to start bleeding horribly and a blood vessel to burst in my stomach. And I was bleeding internally. Anybody oh that knows about hemoglobin levels, my hemoglobin level went to 2.1, which they said there are people that have been shot multiple times in, in wartime situations that had higher hemoglobin levels than I did. So I made it through that one as well. Um, you know, I, I, I've just come to believe that I have a purpose for something. And I truly mean that. I, you know, I, I, you know it, it's, it sounds so cliche, but it is the truth, you know, and, and, and I was going to say also, you know, like everything yeah. happens for a reason. That sounds so cliche. But it's the truth, you know, like there's, it, this is, this is the truth. This is your truth. You just beat me to it. You know, that's where I was leading up to. I was going to say, you know, I've always been a believer of everything happens for a reason. Everything is written in stone before time began. And, uh, you know, 
certain other things in my life from the time I was a child, I always, always had this immense, strong feeling that I can't explain to this day that I was I, I was meant for something bigger. That's all mm-hmm. I can say in it. And if anyone gets offended by that, I apologize. I I'm not act like, oh, I'm special. It was just something I had innate, uh, like a voice saying, Matt, you were meant for something different, for something bigger than normal. It was just this super strong feeling that I always had growing up till to this day. I feel that for some reason, there's some reason I'm here other than just a normal, just life. Um, and I've had some really crazy stuff happen to me and it's, yeah, we're, we're going to get to that here right away. And I, I so I've, I've had a, a theory, you know, when you're saying things are written in stone, I would say to an extent, not everything. I believe fate brings us to these crossroads, you know, fate brings us to these choices. And because we have the the gift of free will, we can choose to go this way or we can choose to go this way, you know, and if you follow the your path, you know, like th- that. Uh Oh, one second. If you can still hear me one second. No problem. All right. Yeah, just by we're both having a little bit of uh, problems with our cameras today. I know that uh, we tried setting up your uh, you were trying to set up your camera and having issues and I'm using a new camera as well. And. Apparently it shuts off around the 40, well, maybe an hour mark, I guess, or something like that, because it's been running for about an hour. But with with that now, why don't we why don't we move on? Um, move on to well, we'll do a little touch on on your uh, the the other experience of your life, you know. And I was saying the the beast of Youngst- Youngstown, right? It's Youngstown. Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. And you had shared a picture, and I'm going to share that picture. And so not only does Matt have this near-death experience, I say he has a near-death experience when he was, and how old were you? Were you 12 or 13? 14. 14 at the time. So he's 14 at the time. First, a near-death experience of a different type. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like watching your life pass before you in front of your eyes. And, and just for those people who have not seen this, uh, let me just uh, throw it up like this. Here we go. Here we go. Um, I'm going to present a picture, and this is the picture that you had drawn of your um, of the beast by, uh, by Sibylla Irwin from Sketching Encounters. Yes, now, everyone uh, that's watching this, that right there was made after a year of me and Sibylla Irwin working together. She's a graphic uh, artist, a renderer, and she rendered after just countless months of us together and me telling her what we saw and if if you want to know what i saw that is the best description the best uh, uh picture that you can have other than being able to go back in time and take an actual snapshot at the event that's what we saw I, I I think this is the best thing to do is to sit here and look at it like this and not, I don't want to be back there taking a picture. I don't want to be taking a snapshot. Yeah. I tell you, anybody there doing that would, it would have known they were there and they wouldn't have been able to, to do much. That. What, that, focus. Let's talk about this because this is also going to be just an audio as well. So this beast that we're seeing here, and I, and I call it a beast, you know, because I think, Dogman just doesn't suit, does not suit this. Um, I, 
was something different. I think it was a, a demon, possibly. Mm -hmm. It was supernatural, 100%. Yeah. Uh, there was multiple times of uh, multiple supernatural events that occurred through the, the, the event. Uh, number one, if, if you're looking at that, you see its eyes. And that is the first thing that all four of us noticed when it looked at us uh, after my buddy had been tripped and kind of fell over himself and made a, a loud noise, uh, drew its attention. It snapped its head. It looked at us and its eyes were the first thing that grabbed me. And right now, looking at that, I, I never look at this and not go back there. Its eyes were, were not reflecting light from eyeshine or emanating an actual power source of some type from internally. Uh, and they glowed that color. And uh, a question here. So they're, they're glowing a color. Like, you know, they're glowing this yellowish, orangish, color, orangish, orangish color. Did that intensity ever change? Did it ever fluctuate in like, like no. dimmed or increased at all? It was as bright as that the entire event. It never stopped. Wow. Uh, and, and it almost looks like, like I think you've described it as like shorter, a bit of a shorter hair. Like, uh, and the hair looks almost like in this photo, it looks almost, uh, I don't want to say greasy, but shiny. You know, I, I always said this, that so the hair was inch, inch and a half at the longest. Mm -hmm. And I it's because you know we we have a dog we've always had dogs we get them groomed it was like it was groomed it, it was clean it, it and it's just it, it was almost shiny it was super tight the hair on it uh, nothing was long and scraggly or matted or anything it was very kempt it was just yeah it was it was odd wow so, so not only do you have this near, well, this near death experience, you know, being stalked in the, in the factory, in the smelter, you know, in the, yeah, it's, which is, which is crazy. You know, then you have your near death experience of almost bleeding out and, and, and that's not all, you know, like I'm not saying near death experiences, but then, uh, you know, you have other experiences. So why don't we move on from this? Because I, you know, oh, there goes my camera again. I'm going to have to change that up again here. Let me just switch up to. Okay, we'll just go with it. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, some other experiences that you yourself have, have encountered? Yeah. So, you know, just to give everybody an idea, um, there are things going on in my family, even before I was born and specifically, Specifically, there was something on my dad's side, something that happened to um, my aunt, Aunt Shirley, who's alive still. But um, the, the really noticeable events that have been occurring over the years have been on the Lebanese side of my family. Okay. On my so going back and, you know, there's a lot of talk about people that are surrounded by high strangeness and that have things happen to them and follow them throughout their lives. And they think it there, there's a lot of times a familial connection. You know, you do hear a lot of talk of that. And, and I agree. Um, going back to before I was born, um, before my mom was born, my great aunt, and uh, they were living in Lebanon. They lived on a little house by a river. And 
one day. So this story was told to me and, and my, my uh, siblings numerous times by my great aunt uh, Alice uh, in that. Lebanese Heltu, they call it great aunt's Heltu. So Heltu Alice, um, she told this story in broken uh, English and Lebanese. My mom kind of had to help um, translate pieces of it. And what she basically said was when she was a little girl, she was playing inside of the house. Her father was outside. I don't know. She never mentioned where, you know, my grandmother or anybody else was. They weren't there. It was just her and her dad. And he was outside working, she was playing, and she kept noticing something out of the corner of her eye, like a, a shadow. And then whenever she'd look, she said it was gone. There was just nothing in there. She just didn't think much of it. She said it happened three times, and the third time, she kept seeing it out of the corner of her eye, peripheral vision. And she said when she turned and she looked, there was a black, like just an all-black shape thing like a man with green eyes walking towards her basically with like this you know with its iron hands up like i'm gonna get you like very and very zombie-ish or frankenstein-ish kind of thing you know she she's great was like a shadow and it had green eyes and it was coming after her slowly and she started screaming and her father went to run in and she made a point always saying that their door didn't lock but when he went, the door wouldn't open. He couldn't open it. So he started beating on the door with a cylinder block and it ended up splitting it down the middle where he could at least see with his eye through the door. And he, she said he told her when he had split the door, he looked through and he was looking and this thing turned around and looked at him and smiled at him. What? And then turned back around and went back up to her. Get, he's gonna get her yeah and he ended up finally kicking the door open he broke the bottom of the door and kicked it open and he ran to to her and this thing and it dissipated he said it just it was just it just disappeared like just like a shadow yeah and he said too it just looked like it was just a a, a shadow person and she kept saying a word that we didn't really pick up on but years later we found out she was saying Jen. she was saying Jen, mm -hmm. uh, he ended up when he kicked the door open uh, uh, because they were by the river. The door was like kind of rotten at the bottom; it was like moist. Yeah, and big sliver of the door went into his leg. Three days later, he died from gangrene. No way. So um, he died, and um, it was the cause of this this Jen that went after my great aunt Alice. Um, through the years, hearing cousins, uh, multiple cousins that are still alive in the summer around my age, just talking about weird, high strangeness events occur, having dreams. Uh, you know, I have had to this day, I still have, you know, uh, you know, like, like I just get a feeling or I, I, I get, you know, an idea something's going to happen or I see it happen or have a dream and it happens and like so much so that again, you're, wife, you're speaking, you're speaking my language with dreams. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You are, you know, for sure. Yours are incredible and you understand. And, you know, I just have premonition that has, has been a, a norm in my life. So that, that it freaks my wife and daughter out. Uh, I've always been somebody that has been, 
ultra uh, sensitive to detail. I notice details. I've always noticed things other people don't. I've always been really on with like gut feelings. Like if I follow my gut feelings in my life, I could say 99% of the time I, it's right. Wow. If I listen, um, knowing people just by reading them and like, like that, I know if somebody, what type of person, uh, you know, I have things where I can read people's emotions extremely easily. I've had people say they think, hey, you sound like you're an empath. I don't know anything about that, but I have read it. Yeah. Um, what? Well, you are. are. Well, you are. <laughs> all fall under the description, not of there. So there's three kinds of empaths. Okay. I fall under all three. Um, I don't know if I am, but I definitely, for whoever made that, those definitions, I, I'm that description of that type of person, be it ultra, just able to read people. I don't know, but I definitely weirdly can do and read emotions and feelings and help people get through rough things. And, um, yeah, you definitely you know, have a connection to, the unseen side, you know, like to this unseen world, you know, that, 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 that I, I think lives symbiotically w with us, you know, like I, I won't say side because it sounds like there's only one, but I believe that we are connected to so many multiple, multiple sides. Um, you know, I, lives symbolically I, with I, there's a, there's a multiverse. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yep. you know, we, about this recently that we we are believers of multiverses and parallel universes and world 100 percent. i i really believe that's true you know um there's so many times that, that that these days discussions come up from people that have been in governments and things like that or, or held high positions of power that say you know, there's reasons movies make certain things. They're trying to desensitize you to certain things yep. and things that you would never imagine are true. Really, they're basically telling you right on the screen, this stuff's real and it's happening. And, you know, what you had said, you know, the, you know, I call it the veil. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's I, just I agree. And like, you know, I was just listening to another podcast where they were talking about, um, you know, like they're showing things on movies. So. When I was growing up many years ago, there was a movie called Something Wicked Comes This Way, okay? And I was always forced to watch it at school growing up as a kid, and I hated it, except for one part. When they got on this carousel, they would ride the carousel, and it would transport them through time, more or less. Like, like it would age, progress, or degress them, you know? So they could go really young or really old. And I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about these carousels being a some sort of portal. And... Like I was just, it was just like this um, eureka moment, you know, I came to this uh, conclusion. I'm like, you know, again, here, here, here we are with Hollywood or writers. And I'm not saying it's just Hollywood. It could be that people are tapping into something that is a truth and they don't even know it's the truth, but they're tapping it and they're writing it um, from the ether. You know, they're grabbing it from the ether and they're just producing it. it. It could be something like that as well. Like I'm not saying everything that's shown is you know, on purpose, I think sometimes there is like these accidental truths being released because people are just discovering them. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to myth and legend. Yes. You know, they somehow for that reason, you know, there you go just like to Native American, you know, Indians and just 
generations of of the way that they speak they tell stories when they talk and they talk of sabe or sasquatch and other in this veil that, that lifts and you're able to walk into other realms or, I, or you're okay into them i have had this question and this just came to me recently and since you brought up sasquatch I want to see what your thoughts are on this one, okay? So the natives used to have this thing, and I don't know if you know of it, called counting coup or counting coup. Have you ever heard of counting coup before? What it is, is to show your bravery against your enemy. It's kind of like a, a victory or dominance over your enemy by performing an act that is... You know, like sometimes they would go into the sneak into the en enemy's camp, leave something there or take something. And it was kind of like, aha, I did this. Uh -huh. You didn't catch me. OK, so that brings me to Sasquatch, Bigfoot, slapping people's houses. OK, it's all about not being caught, doing something and not being caught to your enemy to intimidate. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like the, the Sasquatch and Bigfoot are all integrated with our like the native histories, you know, like all the native elders always talk about that. And I was like, and it just came to me and I'm like, you know, is this it seems to be like a regular thing that happens quite often is this house slapping because that is going into their enemies. I'm just going to say like their enemy's zone or the enemy's area. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that they're all like that, but, you know, it's kind of like. I just did this and you didn't catch me and or the, I've won up to you. Or, or, or the Sasquatch themselves. Okay. You got to learn how to, how to hide yourself. You're this, you know, look how big we are compared to the, to the humans, you know, but we hide ourselves and we have to learn to do it. So, okay. Your turn. You've got to get in there and smack it and get out without them seeing you. That's, that's an awesome uh, way to think of it that's a, a new one for me and that makes perfect sense yeah it, it does i know it was i would say it was just maybe a week ago or even less than that where i just came across this and i and i asked that question to barton nunley went on his live yesterday and you know of course they're like we don't really know and and, and it's true we don't know but i think it's an idea maybe that it has some you know, maybe some truth to it, you know, because there is a possibility with it. But speaking of Sasquatch, Sasquatch <laughs> or Bigfoot, uh, why don't we tell about your little trip, um, you know, your hike after your surgeries when you maybe you shouldn't have been hiking up a mountain? For sure. Yeah. Um, it, just to let everybody know real quick, you know, I've had other things happen through through my childhood. I had one thing. I just want to tell this quick yeah, story. Sure. And Go ahead. 412 Laura Avenue. Uh, one event, me and my little brother, so it was an older house. Summertime, get really hot, no central air. So you had window units with the air conditioner. You kept the doors closed to all the different bedrooms. Me and my little brother, a year younger than me, were playing on my mom and dad's bed with Hot Wheels cars. As all do. of a sudden, bam, bam, bam on the door. Go open the door. All the doors are closed in the hallway. No one is upstairs. The only other person in the house. Oh, the, 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 this wasn't this wasn't like outside. Uh, this was the, oh, the bedroom this was in the house. So someone in the hall upstairs was banging on this door, and I opened it. I thought it was my mom, and I opened the door, and um, no one was there. So uh, close the door. Go back to 
get on the bed and bam, bam, bam again. And it scared me. And I have goosebumps remembering this event because it really affected both of us. And I ran and some reason, I don't know why I felt fear. And I ran and I was pushing on the door, holding it. And it was like somebody was trying to get in. And I cannot tell you the goosebumps I have right now. My little brother got up and ran over and he was helping me and the door was getting pushed open. Bam, bam. We start screaming for our mother, screaming. Finally, she gets upstairs and it stops and she opened that door and she came in. She had been cooking downstairs. She had a wooden spoon in her hand. She smacks both of us with this. What are you guys doing? We wouldn't do it. Somebody was trying to get into the room. And she didn't believe. She goes, stop being great. Stop doing what you blah, blah, blah. And yelled at. We were completely freaked out, man. That that was the only supernatural event that I could remember happening at that house. There was a house two doors down, though, with the kids that we played with the Kraft family. Their house was haunted. We would be up in their third floor. You'd hear footsteps in the hallway. You'd look in the hallway. There'd be nobody there. There'd be lights in the basement that would come on when nobody was in the house. They'd be pulling out. They said they'd see a, a purplish light in their basement. And they even have a working uh, light bulb, they said, in their basement. But this light would come on. And they'd go down there and nothing would be down there. And then they were leaving and the light come on and it looked like a person walked by the window. So, um, you know, that happened. I, I've had two instances where I saw... Um, UFOs or UAPs, uh, you know, we, we, we travel a lot to Tampa and the Indian Shores area. Me and my daughter uh, saw over the, over the Gulf, a blue disc shaped something yeah. just floating real slow over the Gulf. One night we were sitting, there was other people that were standing. We were all in awe um, and it's slow, just real far out, maybe 500 yards off the beach. We just, everybody was standing there watching and we couldn't believe what we were seeing. And then uh, here in the house I live in now, um, I would say a few years ago, I was sitting outside and I, you know, I always say this to people, they they ask me a lot, well, you know, you have, you've had a lot of things happening to you. One thing I can say, if I could give anybody any advice about if if maybe you see something, stop looking down at your phone, take your earbuds out of your ears and look around, look up, yeah. pay attention. Like I said, I've always been an ultra detailed person. I people watch, I look around, I stare up and I was just looking up and I saw like, you know, that kind of telltale tic-tac yeah. kind of shit. It, it was at dusk and it was like changing colors real slow from blue to white to yellow to green. And it wasn't a plane. It wasn't it was something different. And it was far. And let, let me tell you something. When you see things like that, the last thing on your mind is your phone. <laughs> I was I couldn't believe yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. You know, when it says, well, why didn't you film it? You're in awe. Yeah. You're like. Oh my God. And then after you're kicking yourself, you, you are, can, but it, a lot of people live their life through their phone, like you're saying, and, you know, and they're never going to notice these things. And and that's part of it is by staring, you know, looking and it's not, yeah. The last thing when you see something like that is to grab your phone, the last, the uh, last thought. It really is. Yeah. It is. 
know, so what happened to me uh, just this past spring in 2023 is, um, so I, I gave a dog man interview. Uh, I think it was Michael Anthony's show and um, Ernie Dapio, who you know, yep. who had an incredible uh, Sasquatch uh, event. Yeah, that, yeah. That I, fantastic, fantastic uh, encounter. I believe as somebody that's had a real experience with the cryptid, I, 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 there are cues I look to. You know, there's a lot of, I call them cringeworthy, you know, uh, stories mm-hmm. out and I just will sometimes hear and I'll actually be like embarrassed for people. And I can sniff them out easy. When you've had something happen, you you're you know certain things to look for. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Is, I'm going to tell you Ernie's is real. Um, so he didn't believe in dog. If you watch, in fact, on Planet 412, my interview with Ernie, we speak of how we met. And he talked that he was watching Michael Anthony's interview of me. And he said he was one of those apers, they call them, that I find beyond ridiculous and, and ironic that you believe in Bigfoot, but you can't believe in Dogman or other cryptids. There's something inherently wrong with that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. He will openly admit, I didn't believe in Dogman. I didn't give it any thought. Yeah. I thought it was fake. I he watched my interview and he said, I need to talk to this guy. He, and he hunted me down and told me, you know, I, I didn't believe in him. He says, I believe in them now. He said, I know. He said, I know you saw something like I did. And, and we are extremely good friends. We are ultra close. He's one of my best friends on the earth. And we had not met. He lives in the Cincinnati area of Ohio, and I'm up in the Youngstown area, so we're like four hours from each other. He was coming to Beaver Creek State Park, which is 40 minutes from Youngstown in East Liverpool, Ohio. And they were coming. He was he was asked to speak at a at a at a, a Bigfoot convention there or, or conference yep. in Beaver Creek. And he said, hey, you know, me and my wife, Lois, we're bringing our dog, Tilly, and we're going to come. You want to meet us? Well, you know, come to dinner. We went, we had dinner. I met the family and they're like, hey, you know, we're going. We were at this campsite at Beaver Creek because the, all the people that are in the in the conference that are going to speak are all at this one campsite. Do you want to come back and meet them and, and you know, hang out for a little bit? I'm like, well, I'm 40 minutes from home. Yeah. So I went. We go and it was really hard to find. They had trouble finding it, and uh, it was in the middle of the the the, the park, and and it just wasn't. It wasn't like marked. It was just you had to look for for like you know markers and stuff to find this place. And we went there. We met these people. I had never met any of these people in my life. And this one guy, uh, you can look him up on Facebook. His name's Johnny Freeman. He's a he's a psychic. Okay. Comes up to me, and if you if you watch on Planet Four Twelve, my second video, um, I think it's you won't believe what happened at Beaver Creek State Park. It's the second video. Everything that now is on there with pictures and an audio clip, which I gave you. And and um, Johnny Freeman came up to me. There'll be a picture on the video and everything. He came up and he he grabbed my arm, and you know I was like. Whoa, bro! You know I'm from Young. I'm from Youngstown. You don't walk up to somebody. Yeah, yeah. 
can I help? I can't. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I, I have to tell you, you know, my name's Johnny Freeman. I'm a, I'm a psychic mm -hmm. and, you know, right there, you know, your first thought's kind of like, okay. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, can I help you? And I said, well, you know, I, I have to tell you. And he said, I was drawn to you and he'll, he'll tell you this 100% is the truth. Um, said, I've never seen anyone with an aura like you before. He said, something is telling me that I have to tell you. And he pointed, and he said, there's a trail over there that, that, that goes up this, this, uh, mountain here, hill or whatever you want to call it. And he said, there's supposed to be a, a portal a rock outcropping like this rock formation mm -hmm. at the end of the trail that is supposed to be a portal that's frequented and has high strangeness that surrounds it from everything from Sasquatch to paranormal happenings. And if you Google Beaver Creek State Park in Ohio and like put in supernatural, you'll get a crap load of stuff that happens there i was on uh, dr rush jones show with his partner uh, a month ago and we were talking about beaver creek and they perked up because both of them had had major bigfoot events in that park uh, where they were bluff charged his partner brad actually has 45 minutes of audio recordings of bigfoots doing almost exactly what they do in the sierra sounds oh, the, the samurai uh the samurai chatter and the whoops and every everything it's so eerily similar it's a different recording mm -hmm. not not so he got it they had tons of stuff happen and he tells me something's telling me johnny freeman that you need to go up this trail so as you said i had just had i had my left knee replaced a couple months before that it was maybe even a month out or two i was on i should have been on two crutches i only brought one to the campsite and i was wearing a prosthetic mm -hmm. i just my prosthetic not long before that so i laughed at him like i'm laughing now i'm like well, hey bro you know i pulled up my leg i'm like got a prosthetic i just had my and uh my my uh knee replaced i'm not going up any trail you know and you could see it it was like it started out like that but then you could see it go like that and he's like i'm just telling you what i know something is telling me you got to go. So I, I marinated for 15, 20 minutes thinking of the stuff that's happened to me through my life. And what he just said to me at this, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. and I, I told Ernie, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going. He's like, what are you talking about? And I told him what he said and he just kind of looked at me and he said, do what you gotta do. And I went and I went by myself and it was hell. And it took me 30, 35 minutes and it was hard soaking wet by the time I got to the top of the trail. Horrible pain. Uh, there were moments when I was on all fours because it was like this. I had to put my crutch down and crawl. And it, it, and I was thinking this whole time, oh, crap, I got to go back down. Yeah. No, no, yeah, not just going no. up, going back down, especially with one crutch and a, you know, amputated leg. Yes. And as you're going up, the trail's getting thinner and, and more narrow. Crazy, and man. You're crazy, Matt. To your left, if you look down as it's getting higher, there's a stream that was on your level that now is 200 feet down. If you 
fall off the side, you either get messed up horribly or killed. So I get to the top thing and there is pictures of my of the track. I took pictures yep. going up. And it was the last section where I would have had to turn sideways and like put my back against the wall like of this rock outcropping and like walk sideways to get through the last part to get to this rock rock uh formation, the portal. I said, hell no, I'm not doing it. So I just kind of held on to a tree and I, I looked and I could see this formation of rocks. I don't know, maybe seven yards from where I was and I could see it. So there was a tree actually that had fallen and I sat down on it. And again, everything is documented with pictures on, on that video. And I was there and, and, and I just chilled out and, and uh, started talking and just, I, 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 you know, I just wanted to come speak to you. I want to see you. I'm a brother. I'm, I don't mean any, any harm. I'm just here to, you know, for, I forget everything I said. I, I just had good intentions. I spoke out yep. loud and I, you know, and internally, I was just in a good place. I was just trying to be friendly, and peaceful. And uh, I, I kept hoping something would happen and nothing was happening. So finally, I'm like, well, I got to go back down. It was getting dark. And all of a sudden, it got deathly quiet. And all I could hear was the water running. No more. I'm in the middle of, of a state yeah. park. No more crickets. No more squirrels or things running through the complete silence other than the water in the stream. I heard nothing. And I got a feeling of something was going on. And I took my phone out because I just, in my head, I'm like, well, the only thing I can do is I have my phone. Let me try what they do on Ghost Hunters. And I pulled my phone out and I did an EVP recording and I caught something and I sent that to yeah, you. Yeah, so why don't we, why don't I turn this on? Let's, uh, I'm going to uh, turn this on here in just two seconds. Is there anyone out here with me? Thank you for allowing me to be in your home, in your woods. Do you want to say anything to tell me you're here? What's your name? Is there anyone here and how many of you are there? It's going to replay. It's going to replay. Is there anyone out here with me? Thank you for allowing me to be in your home, in your woods. I, a very noticeable. Do you want to voice. say anything? Um, and then there's here. two sets of four wood knocks. And just to let everybody know, I did not hear that with my own ears. None of What's it. What's your name? None. Is there um, anyone here and how many of you are there? The the podcast Cryptid Creatures with and Brian Brock, they actually, Brian, improved the audio for that. So you can hear it when those three moments come up, the, the, the equalizer kind of picks up and you can hear them a little more clear. They're enhanced. Brian Brock from Cryptid Creatures enhanced that sound for us so that we could hear that better. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you can you can definitely hear that. Like you can you can you can hear the background noise where it kind of like the background ambient noise increases. Yeah. So 
yeah just so everyone knows that it's not like um it's not like edited or anything like that oh no not at all no. it, it's just all that is is just the volume has increased just yeah. the volume has increased in it 100 yeah. yeah that is that is to, you know anyone that is into the actual science of recordings or they can have the original they if they have the original they'll know there's nothing to, i did nothing to that that recording there's nothing that was fake that is 100 mm-hmm. percent real um i heard none of it with my own ears the one that blew my it blew, all of it blows my mind because i didn't hear it the one that gets me the most is the grunt obviously because uh, of course and i played it right back and was absolutely floored and I couldn't believe what I heard. And I'm like, I have goosebumps now. And I stood up with my crutch and I was like, thank you so much. And I like freaked out was whatever. And, you know, I played that for, for Ron Moorhead at um, Josh at the dog man encrypted conference. I played that for him three times. Uh, Mr. Moorhead is the one who who recorded the Sierra sounds, the famous Sierra sounds. And uh, when the first time I played it, he looked at me and said, play it again. And then he went like this, play it again. And after three, he looked at me and I said, well, what do you think, Mr. Moorhead? And he says, you got something there. I said, do you think that's that's a, you know, a big funny? He says, sure sounds like one to me. And everyone that's heard it has also agreed. I mean, you can tell 100% that's not me making that noise. Yeah, that, that, that's some some other auditory noise of of a beast or creature that is able to make a grunt, a grunt. you know, and, and, and there was nothing else there with you, no. you know, vis, visually nothing. And like you said, that trail was really narrow up ahead. There's nothing like what what's going to be up there. You know, there, there's something that, there with you, but it's not there. Some people had said maybe, and they said, we don't know, maybe if you would have looked up, maybe there would have some, there was something above you. Because where I was sitting when I recorded it, I had my back to this this big rock thing. Yeah. Maybe could have been something up there looking over, but I didn't hear it grunt. That's the crazy part. And that yeah. the portal comes into play for me. That, that I agree. You know, that, that something's there. You can't see it or hear it, but it's there right next to you. And those digital recorders catch it. And it caught it. And I was floored. floored. Uh, I, I I am too. I am too. That's amazing, Matt. I don't want to keep you any longer, but I, you know, I just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, being the first guest here on uh, Codega's uh, Codex of Curiosities. And, you know, once more, what do you tell our listeners and our viewers, where they can find you. For sure. So if you go to Planet 412 on YouTube and uh, you can find my channel. And, uh, you know, like we said at the beginning, I just appreciate, you know, you, you guys to subscribe and, and uh, you know, hit the notification bell and like. And like we said at the beginning, you know, it's important to watch the videos through. If, if you don't want to watch it, let it play and walk away. You know, it's very important, those watch hours for us us YouTube creators, and the ads are important. If you don't want to watch the ads, buy the premium, and it still helps the channels. And, you know, Rye, it's, it's, it's an honor to, to be your first guest. And, you know, you and I have become really, really good friends. You're one of my best friends. And, you know, I, I always... Me too, man. And we're going to collaborate many times through the years. So this will not... I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And again, Matt, 
Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to throw you in the green room. If you can just wait till uh, after the recording's done, just to ensure that the recordings are all uploaded. Oh, you know what? One more thing. I just want to show you. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah, your shirt. Please, please, please. So if you, there's a link where I will put, you can get this shirt off of Amazon. And uh, he's going to show you the link. It's a really cool dog man shirt. One of the coolest ones I've seen. So I just want to show everybody. It's, so it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. And I, I should have the link like right in here. I think I can put a link in. Um, if not, well, there'll be a link in the show notes, of course. And of course, there'll be links to uh, Matt's YouTube channel and to his Facebook group as well. Um, and anything else you want in there, that's no problem. So Matt, thank you so much again for being part of uh, the Codex of Curiosities. All right, everyone. I I was blown away by Matt's uh, Matt's stories, and I. What about you? You know, did you? What was the most intriguing? I don't know. It was heart wrenching as well. You know that that first uh, his his near death experience is something that, you know. He tells you the nitty gritty side of like actually dying and being there and saying goodbye. You know, and I'm sorry that was heart-wrenching and uh he's had so many experiences and his it seems like it's something to do with his family like there's something to do with his family and we've seen this when someone has an experience it's almost like they open a door open a gateway and they open the floodgates to have more and more experiences and definitely matt has done that so again everyone just one last thing here um as i'm doing my uh my finale here just one last thing And with that, ensure the light is always lit. Click that like. Yeah. If you're new here, subscribe and have the bell hit for notifications to stay up to date on all the new content. I look forward to our next adventure together as we navigate the mysteries that lie ahead. Until our paths cross again, Keep your curiosity wandering and ensure the light remains lit.